Let loose the Holy Spirit in your life. Let him fill your life. Don't hold anything back. Every nook, every cranny, the dark recesses, deep down where nobody else goes. Open up your whole life to the Holy Spirit that he might fill you. Welcome to Living in the Light. Today, Bible teacher Ann Graham Lotz takes us to Ezekiel chapter 1 to awaken us to God's message. Join Ann in reading from Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 11. And it says in verse 11, such were their faces, their wings were spread out and upward. And so to me, that's a picture of worship. They never cease to worship. And these four living creatures, if you remember, they're the ones that did a lot of work because they're the ones that guarded the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve were thrown out, just guarding it so they couldn't come back, eat of the tree of life, live forever in their sin. They're the ones that brought the answers to prayer to Daniel. They're the ones in Revelation 4 that says they live before the throne of God in day and night. They never cease to worship. So they never cease to worship while they do a lot of work. So I thought, is that a contradiction? And I thought, no, <laughs> they never cease to worship. While they worship, they do their work. And then, this is interesting, and I know you can follow me. But some audiences couldn't, but, and, and this is stretching it, but think about it. Because their faces, one had the face of a man and the face of an ox and the face of a lion and the face of an eagle. Could it be that those are characteristics of Jesus? And Matthew presents him as the lion, the king of Judah. And Mark presents him as the ox, the humble servant. And Luke presents him as the man in his humanity. And John presents him as the eagle and his deity. And could it be that these four living creatures, as they never cease to worship, and while they worship, they do the work, they increasingly are conformed to the image of Jesus until other people can see him reflected in them. Oh, listen. Our work and our ministry is not just to check it off the list. While we are doing that, we maintain our worship so that in the process, we're worshiping God as we do our ministry and in the process, he continually conforms us to the image of his dear son so that increasingly our spouse, our congregation, our target audience ought to be able to look at us and see the character of Jesus coming out and the way we speak, the way we act, the expression on our face. Isn't that interesting? Somebody here put your work before your worship. So easy to do, isn't it? So many responsibilities. That's why I set the alarm, get up earlier in the morning than anybody else to make the time to focus on Jesus, spend time in worship, and then try to maintain that during the day. Cultivate a sense of his presence in my life and worship him and trust him with things that I don't understand. And that's a lot of things. <laughs> But these messengers who didn't miss the message were focused on the word of God and the work of God for them, doing it God's way while they maintained their worship. Are you a messenger that God can use? Would you wake up to the message? And the message is Jesus. And if you're not going to miss it, you need to be focused. Secondly, these messengers were fired up I didn't know how else to describe, actually, what was taking place in verse 13. Their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like torches. Fire moved back and forth, flashed out of it. Lightning fled back and forth, and they're fired up. Something was happening. It was electric. Almost sounds like a rock concert, you know? All sorts of strobing light and flashing. And, and I thought, you know, they were fired up for two reasons. 
One, they were spirit-led. It says in verse, and that's the verse 12, where they didn't go anywhere except the spirit led them. They had no plans of their own, no goals of their own, no agenda of their own. They just were spirit-led. And for you and me, how spirit-led are you? And I don't think you or I can be spirit-led unless we spend time in prayer. And I think it requires prayer and fasting. Fasting to me is not just going without food, it's going without anything and everything to make the time to pray and to get alone with God. When do you fast? Have you ever fasted? Maybe that's why you lack power in your ministry. You can't be spirit-led if you don't pray. And I don't mean just pray as you work, but set aside time to pray. Talked with, he was the chief financial officer of one of the largest Christian organizations in the world. Not my father's organization, but another very fine Christian organization. And he told me with tears in his eyes, Anne, if our ministry has a need, I just go to my Rolodex, I flip through it, I pull out a few names, I make a few calls. By nightfall, that need is met. In our ministry, we don't need God. And I knew what he was saying. He, the ministry was so prosperous, had been so blessed of God, that they were operating independent of God. So, do you have a financial shortfall? You need personnel? Are you struggling in some area of your life? Could it be that's a blessing from God? Because isn't it amazing how that puts you on your knees? And it's when we have the needs that we spend time in prayer because we're aware of our dependency upon God. If he doesn't bless us, we won't be blessed. And that's why I believe maybe God would strip our nation of our prosperity. And I know that stock market is going up, but you know, what goes up has to come down. And you just mark my words, I bet it's going to come down pretty fast. And maybe God would use that to wake up other people to their need of him. Because when we're prosperous, I don't think prosperity is necessarily a blessing from God. It was in the Old Testament, the New Testament, I don't see that. Health, wealth, prosperity, that just makes you feel like you're self-sufficient and, you know. It's when we are not healthy and when we're not wealthy and when we're not prosperous <laughs> that we're so aware of our need of God. And we tend more to be spirit-led in what we do. So these creatures were spirit-led. And for me, I pray that with all of my heart that I would be led of the spirit, which means I've got to make time in prayer and in God's word that he can have my attention. And even if right at that moment I'm not aware of what he's going to do, as I go through my day, he can impress on me a certain thing or move me in a certain way. And at the end of the day, I look back and think, wow, you know, praise God that he's led me all the way. Spirit-led, they were spirit-filled. In verse 13 and 14, and that's the fire too, where they were filled with flashes of lightning, they back and forth, and the Holy Spirit in Scripture is referred to as the fire of God. And in Timothy, Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God. And when you receive Christ by faith as your Savior, I know you know this, but he comes into you. 
If you receive him by faith, he comes into you in the person of his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a person, right? So when he comes into you, you have all of the Holy Spirit you're ever going to have. When, when I was a little girl and invited Jesus into my life, I had as much of the Holy Spirit as my father and my mother did, as my grandparents did, because the Holy Spirit is a person. You don't get him in pieces, all right? But he seems to get us in pieces. And so we give him our ministry, but not our family. Or we give him, you know, our sermon for next week, but not the way we're entertaining ourselves tonight. Or we give him our work time, but not our relaxation time, or you know how we do. And we're not spirit-filled. And so Paul said, Timothy, you fan into flame the fire. Let loose the Holy Spirit in your life. Let him fill your life. Don't hold anything back. Every nook, every cranny, the dark recesses, deep down, when nobody else goes, open up your whole life to the Holy Spirit that he might fill you. You know, in those days, in Roman days, fire, they didn't have a switch that they could turn to get a light or a match to strike to light a fire or... They had a firekeeper in the courtyard in the middle of the village was a man who kept the fire. And if they needed fire, they'd go and take a brand from the fire and that's the way they would heat their homes or you know, light their cook stoves or whatever. But they had to have the fire in the central courtyard. That job was so important that if the firekeeper let the fire go out for any reason, if the rain came along and drenched it out or the wind came along and blew it out or he just went to sleep and neglected it and it went out, it cost him his life. He was to keep the fire burning. And Paul says, Timothy, you've received the fire of God. When you receive Christ as Savior, you receive the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's your responsibility to fan him into flame. Let him loose. Yield your life to him. So what's keeping you from being spirit-filled this morning? I'll tell you what it is. It's sin. But I believe it's time for God's people who are called by God's name to humble themselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways. It's not them out there. It's me in here. I need to turn from my wicked ways. And that means turn away from it. Crucify it. That God might hear from heaven and forgive my sin and heal the Pacific Northwest but it's directly related to God's people being right with God. And I think that's directly related to the leaders of God's people getting right with God. This is a time to get right with God. If your eye offends you, you take it out. If your arm offends you, you cut it off. You know, he wasn't talking about maiming yourself. <laughs> He's talking about throwing away your computer, canceling that magazine subscription, not going to that club or whatever it is, you know. You just have to cut it out. And I believe the time has come to do it now. So you don't put it off, you don't procrastinate, you don't rationalize, you don't defend yourself, you don't give excuses, you just cut it out. And listen to me, Jesus is the liberator. You make the decision, he will give you the strength and power to resist it. And it doesn't mean you're not going to continue to be tempted because you will be. But he will give you the power to resist that temptation and say, no, 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 no. I'm going to be a spirit-filled man or woman of God. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's some other secrets. And I don't want to know what it is, so I don't, you know, don't tell me. But tell God. He knows. 
So you might as well talk to him about it. So these creatures were fired up because they were spirit-led. They didn't, they didn't plan, you know, five-year plan, 10-year plan, <laughs> where we want to take the ministry. And I remember somebody, I asked all the time, Ann, what's your vision for your ministry? I remember Dr. Blackaby asking me that. And I said, Dr. Blackaby, I feel very foolish, but I'm going to have to tell you I don't have a plan for my ministry. And he looked at me and he said, Ann, right answer. <laughs> I know we need to have goals, you know, but hold them loosely. If I had set goals and plans for my life, you know what? I would have settled for something a lot less than what God had in mind. And I'm just selfish enough <laughs> that I want everything he has for me. I don't want to come up with less because I insisted on getting what I wanted. So let it go. God's will is good and best and perfect and pleasing and oh he loves you and he loves your target audience and that's why he's raised you up to reach them so how fired up are you if you've lost your fire something's wrong and I would get on my knees and I would ask God to relight that fire it's in you you just need to fan it into flame. And that may start at the foot of the cross when you come back in humility and repent of your sin. Ask him to fill you. Stop insisting on him answering your prayer the way you want, taking your church where you want it to go, fulfilling your goals, your dreams, frustrated. In fact, I think that's part of the frustration in the Northwest right now, if I can just say it. And I want to be very careful because we want righteousness. We long, we, we know that when you're right with God, you're going to be blessed. When you're totally outside of God's will, we, we know judgment is coming. So I know there's that grief that you feel for people in the Northwest who have made decisions that are so outside the will of God that you know judgment is coming. But listen, our aim is not to necessarily turn people into a certain pattern of life or turn them back to God's word even for our congregation, but our aim is to be a part of what God's doing, and he has a plan. And he is working it. And I believe when the world is falling apart, as it increasingly is going to, listen, we've just, this is just the beginning. The world is going to unravel, but it's not unraveling. It's just falling into place right at the feet of Jesus. God is getting everything ready for the return of his son. And we don't want to be insisting on holding him back, doing it the way we used to do it, when he's up to something different today. So get fired up. What a privilege to live at the end of human history and be in ministry. So these messengers were focused, fired up, they were faithful. In verse 22, spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like an expanse, sparkling like ice and awesome. That was a platform. On the platform was a throne, and on the throne was someone like the Son of Man. These messengers lived and served and moved and had their being under the throne, under the authority of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I want to just point out something to you before I develop that for a moment. But this, this was a verse that spoke to me out of this whole book. In verse 25, it says, They lowered their wings, then there came a voice. When? When they lowered their wings. Then they could hear from heaven. So hard to lower our wings, isn't it? so hard to be still. We're so busy 
Even when I'm still, my mind is racing. All the emails, all the appointments, all the responsibilities, all the things now going on in my home, and, and it's hard to just get my mind to be quiet. But it's when we're still, and we lower our wings, that we hear from heaven, and God speaks to us. There's nothing that will keep the fire burning like hearing a word from God. So they stood with lowered wings, but they operated under that platform, and on the platform was someone like the Son of Man. And as they came with their wings stretched out and upward, and the throne was over their wings, they were exalting, they were faithful to exalt the Lordship of Jesus Christ. On the throne was someone that looked like the Son of Man. Listen to me, there is a throne in the center of the universe. And there is a man who is seated on the throne. And he's the same man that we saw back in the Garden of Eden, forming Adam and Eve from the dust of the ground, breathing his life into them. The same man that walked and talked with them in the cool of the day. The same man that slew the animal, shed blood to clothe them when their fig leaves weren't sufficient after they'd sinned. The same man who walked with Noah and with Enoch and the same man who showed up at Abraham's tent on that hot afternoon and said, I'm going to come back next year and I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham was 99 years of age when the man told him that and next year he had a son. The same man who shows up in the Jabbok River wrestling with Jacob keeping him from possessing his inheritance and his own strength, breaking him of that independent spirit. And same man who showed up on the outskirts of Jericho and told Joshua to take off his sandals. He was on holy ground and then told him how to take that great enemy fortress. The same man, oh, we just find him all the way through, don't we? Showed up in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar had thrown three in, and then he rubbed his eyes, and he said, wait a minute, I threw three in, how come I see four? And the fourth is a man, looks like the Son of God. The year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah looked up when something bad happened, and there was a man seated on the throne. I saw the Lord, he said, high and exalted. A man who thought it not robbery to be equal with God because he is God and he made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself and he submitted himself to a woman's womb for nine months and went through the human birth process and lived on earth for 33 years until he just smashed himself on a Roman cross and gave his life in atonement for sin. The Lamb of God, buried in a bar tomb same man that rose up from the dead, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, the same man sitting on the throne one day who's going to get up from the throne and the sky's going to unfold and he's going to come back to reign and rule in this world. He is the Lord. And messengers who are faithful to the message exalt Jesus Christ as Lord. He is unique. There's nobody like him. And so in this day and time, when people say we all have our own gods, thank you, and you can call him Allah, Muhammad, Buddha, whatever you want to call him, Messiah, you can even call him Jesus if you like. You know, they can say that, but that has crept into the church. And the church needs to keep the message clear, and the message is Jesus Christ as Lord. There's no one like him. He stands in the solitude of himself. And these messengers were faithful to exalt Jesus as Lord not only by the message they gave, but by the way they lived their lives, they lived under his authority 24-7.
but they exalted him as Savior. Around that throne was a rainbow. Oh, you remember the rainbow, don't you? <laughs> and Noah had taken all those animals on that ark, and they'd gone through the judgment, and everything in the world was destroyed, and he came out, and he sacrificed some of the precious animals to the God who had saved him. And God said, Noah, I'm going to put a rainbow in the clouds, because I know every time you hear the thunder rumble, Every time the rain starts, you're going to think, am I going to come under judgment? Am I going to lose my salvation? So I'm going to put a rainbow in the clouds. And when you see the rainbow, you remember, I remember, I'm committed to you. You're saved. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new covenant. It's not the rainbow in the clouds, it's the cross. It's my blood shed for you. And if you're ever tempted to doubt, where is God? Has he abandoned us? Are we just unraveling and just falling apart? Is he there? Does he hear? You look at the cross and you remember. God remembers. He's committed to you. He's made a covenant with you. He'll see you through. And so messengers who don't miss the message are faithful to exalt Jesus as Lord and also Savior. Oh, listen to me. There's no other Savior. Doesn't matter what people say today. Doesn't matter. The only thing that matters <laughs> is what God says. And God says there is only one name given under heaven among men whereby you can be saved, just the name Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, will come to the Father, except they come through me. So messengers that God uses are faithful to exalt Jesus as Savior and Lord. How faithful are you? Are you tempted to compromise? Water it down. You're afraid. Because I'll tell you what, we're living in a hostile culture I think it's going to get more so. The attacks might become more overt. But it's for me and my house. With all of our hearts. And I'll just speak for myself. I want to be a messenger that doesn't miss the message. I want to be focused. And fired up. And faithful. Until I see him face to face. So my challenge to you. Would you examine your ministry? Examine your position of service. Are you a messenger who's been missing the message? Get caught up in denominational things or programs or new techniques or technology or, you know, there are things to get the message out, and I understand that, but would you recommit yourself? Let me put it that way. Would you just make a recommitment before God to be a messenger that he can use one that doesn't miss the message one that's focused on his word and his work taking the word to your target audience doing it his way while you maintain your worship 24-7 fired up because you're spirit led spirit filled and faithful to exalt Jesus as Savior and Lord would you recommit yourself to being a messenger who doesn't miss the message. Now here's Anne with this final word. And what's the message in one word? It's Jesus. Don't miss it. 
My sincere prayer is that this message has been a wake-up call for your heart. I pray that in your heart of hearts you will uplift Jesus as Lord and Savior and then make Him known to others. We desperately need revival, and it begins with you and with me. So I pray that you felt the fire of personal revival ignited within you. I pray that the revival you've experienced will last forever. I pray that your life will be contagious and the fire of revival will spread. I pray that as a result of the fire in your heart, the whole church will be revived and rekindled until she is holy, cleansed, and a clear, accurate reflection of her message, Jesus. You've been listening to Living in the Light. And when you go to angramlots.org, there are free resources to help you in your study of God's Word. Anne's desire is that you embrace a God-filled life, step-by-step, choice-by-choice, living in the light.